Welcome to this podcast message from Kingdom Faith. God is love. But he doesn't love institutions. Jesus didn't come to form an institution. He doesn't love tradition. He doesn't love money. He loves his creation, but predominantly he loves people. Jesus was sent by the Father in love for the world, for his creation. But he wasn't sent to love the institutions, the religious institutions that existed at the time. He didn't come to reform them, to change them. He came for people. He doesn't save institutions, he saves people. He came as Jesus, meaning Savior, and Christ, meaning the Anointed One. And although the Father sent him for people, for 30 years when he was Living on the earth, he didn't, as far as we know, preach sermons, heal people, set people free, minister in any way. He waited for the anointing. And you remember, he went to the River Jordan where John the Baptist was baptizing and submitted to John's baptism because he was identifying completely with the need of those he came to save. But then after he came up out of the water and was praying, the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended upon him. God was anointing him for his ministry. And ministry means service. So he didn't come to serve an institution. He didn't come to serve the world's structures of finance and business and so on. He came to serve people. His passion is for people. Now, last night, all those of us who were here received fresh anointing from God. What are we to do with that anointing? Because God does not anoint us for the sake of doing it. Everything he does has a purpose. So why does he give us fresh anointing? 
Listen to what Jesus said about himself. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For many people, that is. Jesus came to serve. He was anointed to serve God's people. All through the Old Testament, God had called his people Israel to be a special set-apart people to serve him. He gave them the law, the commandments, and the purpose of that was to say, this is the way in which you are to serve me. You are to do this and not to do that. But Israel constantly failed to fulfill this call of God upon the life of the nation. And all the way through the Old Testament, we have that history of constant failure. Times when they turned back to the law and sought to live in obedience and God prospered them, but then as soon as they began to prosper, all the compromise settled in again and they got back to their own ways and they deserted the Lord. They even lost sight of the law altogether at times. It was a history of constant failure, really. And of course, God knew that that would be the case because it's impossible to live up to the standards of God, to what he sees as his purpose, absolutely impossible in our own strength. It wouldn't even have been possible for Jesus to do that without the anointing, without the Spirit of God enabling him. Because the Scripture says he shared our weakness. He was tempted in every way just as we are. He wasn't some superhuman hero. He was just like you and just like me really fully human. Of course, he had a divine nature as son of God. But he knew that his ministry of service couldn't begin until he was anointed. And what we see all the way through the Gospels is the different ways in which Jesus was serving the people. On Tuesday night, when I was talking about what he is doing now in heaven as our high priest and king, 
we saw that he is still a servant because he is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. If he served while he was on earth, he still serves while he is in heaven. And we saw that what he does in heaven is to serve us in the power of an indestructible, endless life, as it's described in the epistle to the Hebrews. He is serving us with that living water that flows from the throne of God. So when God was anointing people afresh last night, Jesus Christ was serving each one. He was serving you with that power of an endless life. He was serving you by filling your life afresh with his Holy Spirit. He is always the servant, so he is always wanting to serve you to give to you. The experience of the disciples that lived with him was that they constantly received from the fullness of his life grace upon grace, one gift after another, one blessing after another. He was always giving because he had the servant heart. So why was God anointing us afresh last night? The simple answer is to serve. Just as Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life. So we need to understand that to belong to the body of Christ is not to be served except by the Lord himself. But we belong to the body of Christ to serve. So, we don't come expecting that the pastor and the leaders are going to serve us. They will, but that's not why we're here. That's not why we're part of the church. To be a Christian, to be a member of the body of Christ, is to understand that God has called you to serve to serve those he loves. And because he loves people, to serve people. We're not serving an institution. God doesn't even love meetings. But he loves the people that are in the meetings. God doesn't love institutions, but he can still work within institutions to love and serve and save people. So we have a mentality, if we understand the purposes of God, 
that we're not here for people to serve us, but for us to be equipped to serve. Now, we know that in the church, God has appointed certain ministries, certain leadership ministries. There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. God knows there needs to be a variety of ministries functioning within the church. But what is the purpose of those five ministries? The scripture says, to equip God's people for the works of service. It's not that those people in those ministries are to be doing all the serving and the members of the church are there to receive their service. They are serving people to make them servants. And then the scripture says, that it's those works of service that cause the body of Christ to be built up. Now, we were talking last night about how God anoints us for the extension of his kingdom. And what a congregation of God's people are intended to be in the purposes of God is a kingdom people living kingdom lifestyle. And we've been talking about that this week as well. If you haven't managed to get to the morning meetings, download them from the internet because they're an integral part of what God is doing amongst us this week. And I can't repeat in the evenings all that we talk about in the mornings. So God has anointed us to serve. And God has raised up leadership within the body of Christ that together equip us for service. And of course, what we're doing is not serving an institution or serving traditions. We're serving people. Because God loves people. There are a whole variety of ways in which that is worked out in practice. But it means that we are part of the body of Christ, not to receive, but to give. But then we discover that it is in giving that we receive. Because the scriptures teach us that the measure you give is the measure you get back. And Jesus says what you get back is good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But you don't get the good measure back until first you give. And in that context, he's not talking about money. He's talking about the giving of ourselves. It includes money. But it's much bigger than that. It's the way we give of ourselves in order to fulfill the call of God upon our lives to continue his ministry of service in the world. I'm fulfilling my particular call at this moment 
in serving you, but in reality, I'm serving the Lord by saying to you tonight what he wants me to say to you tonight as part of his purpose to make you servants so that the body of Christ can be built up, so that we can be an effective people where the life of God breaks out of us and we're successful, we're fruitful in seeing the extension of God's kingdom in the way that we were talking about last night. When the students first come to our college, always at the beginning of the first term, I say to them that the most important thing that God can do in their lives while they're students at the college is to give them servant hearts. That is the most important thing in the life of any Christian. That if you have a heart after God, you have a servant heart. If you have a heart that is pleasing to the Lord, it's a servant heart. And therefore you live like Jesus lived on earth because he is the pattern of one who lives the lifestyle of the kingdom. You live not to be served. You don't have the attitude, I'm part of this church to be served, so I want everything to be just as I want it and I want people always to be at my disposal for this, that, and the other. No, your attitude is, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve people, but I'm not just here to serve the other people in the church, although that will be part of my service, but I'm here to be equipped, anointed, empowered by God to go out into the world and serve in whatever way he calls me to serve so that I will be touching the lives of other people with the love and the compassion, the mercy, the grace, the authority and the power that God entrusts to me by anointing me with the life and power of his spirit. So a healthy congregation is one that is filled with people with servant hearts. Everybody is ready to serve, quick to serve. If the pastor was ever to call for volunteers, everybody would immediately raise their hands because they have servant hearts. Here I am, use me. I'm ready to serve. Whatever needs to be done, I'm ready to serve. This is a Christian I'm talking about. Those that don't have servant hearts, they have the attitude, that's not my job. I'm too busy. I've got other things to do. I'll serve in other ways. Where those with servant hearts see what needs to be done and they do it even before they're asked. It's an attitude of heart, an attitude of mind. So this is the way Jesus lived. This is what he came to demonstrate. This is the life of the kingdom. This is the life of love. This is what it means to serve God. This is how you live for the glory of God. You live to serve. 
and you live to serve in whatever capacity, whatever way God puts before you. And Jesus said much about this, of course, during the course of his ministry. One of the things he said is that we have to prove faithful in little things, and then he'll give us more responsibility. If he can't trust us to do the little things, the little acts of service, why should we imagine that he could trust us to do anything more important? Because he knows that if he can't trust us to do the little things that he asks of us, then we don't have the right heart attitude for him to entrust anything more important. And sadly, in the life of churches, there are many people that want position, they want recognition, they want even to be admired by other people, but they're not necessarily servants. In fact, very often people with that attitude think that they should be raised up in some significant ministry, but God hasn't raised them up because they don't have the servant heart. They haven't proved faithful in the little things. Therefore, God can't raise them in stature and give them more significant things to do in his church. So we prove faithful in little things, and God is able to use us then more and more effectively. We grow in our servanthood, and we grow in responsibility, we grow in effectiveness, we grow in fruitfulness, and God can be more and more glorified in our lives. The more God uses someone is because of what has gone on in their lives before you see what he does with them. That there's been a history where God began using them in small ways and they proved faithful in their servanthood and he raised them up gave them more responsibility, greater anointing. They were able to bless more and more people. When I was first ordained, within the first week I had a great lesson from God to teach me this. As uh, you know, I was ordained as, a, as an Anglican minister and so uh, my first job was to be a curate, an assistant pastor, in a church. The building was one of these beautiful old medieval churches, very picturesque setting. And of course it was the baby boom time in, in the 60s. And uh, every Saturday between March and October, we would have six weddings every Saturday, one after another. And, of course, people in those days, I don't know they do it quite so much these days, but in those days, 
people always, always um, threw a lot of confetti. So you imagine what the churchyard looked, and you know, it was one of these ancient churchyards with gravestones and all the rest. But you imagine what the churchyard looked like after six weddings where confetti had been thrown copiously at each one. And of course, on the following morning, the Sunday, you did not want all the congregation treading in this confetti all over the church. So I remember standing at the door after the sixth wedding because the vicar said to me, you better come and see how I do the weddings. So I came and sat through the six weddings that day. <coughs> which perhaps explains a few things, but anyway, we won't go there tonight. Uh, and... Uh, I was standing at the church door with him and looking at this confetti, and I said to him, who clears this all up before tomorrow? <laughs> and he said to me, I'll show you where the broom is. <laughs> and I can remember I was sweeping up this confetti, and I was saying to the Lord, Lord, I haven't been at university studying theology for four years to be sweeping confetti in a churchyard. And as sure as anything, the Holy Spirit said to me, Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> That's precisely where you start in your ministry. You prove faithful in the little things. It was... A big lesson taught me in a very short space of time because I realized God had called me to serve and that would mean doing whatever needed to be done, whatever he put before me. I must have proved faithful in sweeping up the confetti because I can only ever remember doing it on one occasion. <laughs> we did have a verger, but he wasn't there that day. <laughs> and uh, usually the verger did it. But praise God, I think the verger was missing that day just to teach me a lesson. But you see, this is the point. No thing is too little to be of concern. One of the things I, I like to do roughly sometimes is, you know, every now and again a piece of paper or something gets dropped in the corridor. And I just wait and see how many people walk past it with, before they pick it up. Oh, I'm glad I've said this now because <clears throat> nobody will ever dare to walk past a piece of paper again without picking up. But you see, this is the point. Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. The religious people walked by on the other side. 
They didn't want to know anything about this guy that was in need. And it was the Samaritan who was regarded as an outcast by the Jews who went and served this man, actually paid for him with his own money to be cared for. We can be very religious and pass by on the other side. Say, that's not my job. Nothing to do with me. But if we have servant hearts, whatever we see is our concern. We can't close our eyes and say, I didn't see that. It's got nothing to do with me. But of course, God's concern is not that we sweep up confetti and pick up bits of paper in the corridor. If we can't do that, then we can't do more important things. But what he's really preparing us for is to see the lives of people transformed. But that doesn't mean that we're all evangelists. We're all witnesses, but we're witnesses not only by what we say, but by what we do. So a witness is often a person of love and compassion, a person who is happy to go and serve people and care for them and so on. Lots of people in the world do that, but we can do it in the power of the Spirit, and we can do it in a way that we can actually bring the presence of God into what we're doing. And hopefully, into the life of the people that we're serving. So many different ways in which the love and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ can be expressed through the lives of people. But this is why we're Christians This is why we belong to the church because it's God's purpose for all Christians in every church. This is why God anoints us. He anoints us to serve. Now, we have to get something very straight. You might have a job. Your job might be to be a housewife, might be to be an accountant, or a doctor, or an office worker, or a teacher, or a social worker. But the call on your life is not to be a housewife, or a teacher, or a business person. You are not a housewife who happens to be a Christian or a teacher who happens to be a Christian or a business person who happens to be a Christian. You are a Christian who happens to be a housewife or a Christian who happens to be a business person or a teacher or a social worker. The call of God on your life is not your occupation. It's your relationship with Him. Now that relationship will be worked out in whatever your occupation is. 
But first and foremost, God's call upon your life is to serve Him. And to serve people, yes, within your occupation, to be a servant of Christ. But your call, your vocation, is not actually to be a nurse or a doctor or a teacher or this or that or the other. Your vocation is to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve Him. Again, it's just having a kingdom mentality, understanding the significance of what it really means to be a Christian. So, you put all your concentration and effort into being the finest Christian you can be. So that you can be a good Christian housewife, good Christian doctor, teacher, social worker, whatever. But if your focus is just on your job and not on your relationship with the Lord, then you will never be the effective servant within that occupation. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Again, it's just having that kingdom mentality, which is a Christian mentality, which is the kind of thinking that God encourages. So you see, one of the things that Jesus said is you cannot serve God and money. Now, why do we have occupations? Well, one of the reasons why we have occupations is not just to fill our time, but because we need to earn money. But he says you can't serve God and serve money. We need to earn money. We need to provide for ourselves, for our families. We need to, of course, acknowledge that everything we earn belongs to the Lord. And we tithe it. Tithing the first tenth, giving to the Lord the first tenth of of all we earn, is an indication that we acknowledge that everything we are and everything we have rightly belongs to the Lord. He has saved us for himself. We are his people. We are his property, if you like. He has redeemed us with the blood. He's purchased us for himself. So we give of the first tenth of all that we have as a faithful outworking of that acknowledgement. My life belongs to the Lord. And of course, if we're faithful in that, then we never have a financial need. He always cares for us because that's his word. We can test him in this and we will prove that he is always faithful. If we are faithful in giving, he is faithful in pouring out his abundance into our lives. That good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. So the tithe is just another way in which we express our serving uh, of God, that Everything we are actually belongs to him and is for his glory and his purposes. So we want to be effective witnesses, servants, even in our place of work. Because we realize the first call upon our lives 
is not our occupation, but our relationship with God. Nothing can be more important. So Jesus says, if you consider anybody more important than me, your husband, your wife, your children, or anybody else, you are not worthy of me. You're not worthy of belonging to me. You're not worthy of being part of my kingdom. You're not worthy of being a Christian. If you place anyone or anything above me, you're not worthy of me. This is what Jesus says. Why? Because he has to be Lord. And if he's Lord, then he's first. And he's always first. And of course, if he's first, then your family is going to be blessed. Your marriage is going to be blessed. Your occupation is going to be blessed. Because you've got your priorities right. Jesus first. You know, some people say, oh, well, I must put my family first. No, 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 no. That's the craziest thing you can possibly do. Remember, one of the things Jesus said, somebody made an excuse, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. Hmm. Jesus was not impressed, you see, by that. Not impressed at all. Because even in our marriage, he has to be first. Amen? If you love your husband or wife more than Jesus, something is wrong with your marriage, as well as something is wrong with your relationship with the Lord. Hallelujah. And of course, if we don't love him by putting him first, it's because we don't appreciate his great love for us. Because we can only love because he's first loved us. So our serving, our response of love, is always a response to his wonderful great love for us. Praise God. You're very quiet tonight. This is the word of the Lord. All I'm doing really is just opening up some of the things that Jesus said. Because he came as the great servant in order to make us servants. Now, you know there are some beloved Christians who always like to twist the word of God to try to make excuse for themselves. And when you talk about servanthood like this, inevitably there's somebody that's going to say, Ah, but pastor, I'm a son. I'm no longer a servant. And Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Oh, what foolish one. What a foolish one. We're sons who serve just like the Son who served. We're not just servants. We're sons. We're daughters. We're children of God. But we're children who serve. So Jesus said, and we read it just now, the ones who are going to be 
great among you, or if you have any aspirations to be a good Christian or great Christian, then you're going to be a great servant. Let me just remind you of what he said. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Pastor Clive, myself, the other pastors, we have to be the greatest servants. If we're not the greatest servants, we shouldn't be in the positions that we're in. You understand? It's all about servanthood. It's not about position. So a, a true leader, he lives to serve. He lives to serve, but he lives to make servants of those he serves. You can put it another way. He lives as a disciple, but he lives as a disciple to disciple others to make them disciples. But what is a disciple? He's a servant. Why? Because in Scripture, disciple is like the one who is his master. So if his master, Jesus, is a servant, then a disciple is a servant. Hello? So if we have servant hearts, we are always looking for opportunities to serve. And when God puts an opportunity before us, we don't close our eyes and hope it will go away. And you know, there are some people, some people come to me sometimes and say, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what the will of God is for my life and boom, 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 all that kind of thing. You know, I say to them, well, what are you hearing from God? I say, well, I'm not sure, boom, 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 boom. I say, well, what do you think you've heard from him? And then they tell me, and then I say, do you want to do it? And there's usually a silence at that point. <laughs> you see, the point is this, that some people hear clearly what the Lord is saying, but they don't want to do it. So they're waiting for him to say something else. <laughs> but he actually hasn't got anything else to say. So suddenly it seems that the voice of God is switched off and they're not hearing anything. So, you know, I always say to people, well, what is the last thing you heard? Are you doing it? Because God knows if you're not doing it, there's no point in him saying anything else to you. This is too deep for you, isn't it? But I, I'll try to make it nice and simple. So you see, we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we are the sons of God, the children of God, right? But the scripture says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Now, if the Spirit of God is going to lead us into the fulfillment of God's purposes, what's he going to do? He's going to lead us to? To what? To serve. And he's going to show each one of us the right way in which he wants us to serve. Oh, what a glorious job to be the pastor 
of a congregation of servants. Wow. Things are going to get done, aren't they? But they're not only going to get done amongst the church family. Whatever God wants us to do beyond in reaching out to the world with the gospel of the kingdom in word and power, those things are going to get done. So often, as Christians, we have a need. It might be a healing need. And we want God to heal us. Well, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, in order to receive from God, we need to be in right relationship with Him. It's very difficult to really be in the flow of God's giving if we're not in that right relationship. So James says, you know, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church and they pray and anoint you and the prayer of faith will raise the sick man from his bed. But if you have any sin, confess your sins one to another. Uh, in other words, what God is really saying to us through that scripture is if you're going to receive from God, it's important to be in the right place with God, right relationship with God. You remember the man that was let down through the roof. He said to him, first of all, your sins are forgiven you. Then he said, get up and walk. Being in the right place with God in order to receive is so important. And there have been a number of occasions when I've been ministering to people who are sick and I've said to them, in what ways are you giving? Giving to the Lord and giving to other people. Not talking about money, but in what ways are you giving? I say that, you know, when the Holy Spirit lays that upon my heart because sometimes I think the reason why people find it so hard to receive what they need is because they're not giving. And Jesus says, the measure you give is the measure you get back. Oral Roberts was somebody who may just be a name to you because, of course, his ministry was a few years ago. But many of you would have heard of Oral Roberts University. Well, he, he was a man with a great healing ministry. And out of that, he founded this, this university and so on. But I remember hearing him talk once in, in Guildford Cathedral in the early 1970s. And uh, he said, I remember this thing that he said, he said, as soon as you are sick, get a piece of paper, write down every other sick person you know and pray for them every day. If you want to receive, start giving. If you want to receive healing, start giving healing to other people. And this was somebody with probably at that time the most renowned healing ministry in the world, I would think. He was the Benny Hinn of that time, if you see what I mean, in, as far as reputation went. But he knew how important it is if we're to receive from the Lord that we are to be givers, servants, serving others who are sick by praying for them in that context. So although we don't serve in order that we might benefit, 
in the serving, we do benefit. We do get the good measure pressed down, shaken together. We do receive according to what we give. So the more we will serve, the more we receive. Actually, the more we use the anointing that God has given us, the more he anoints us. You see, I've seen in my life the anointing grow and get stronger and stronger and stronger. But that wouldn't happen if I didn't use the anointing to serve. You see, it's this question of you have to prove faithful in little things and then God adds more and he adds more and he adds more and he adds more. It's all the grace of God. It's not our effort. It's what God does in us through his spirit by his grace. But it's God working through those who make themselves available to him. Whether that context is in our business life, our work life, school life, wherever we are, we're still servants of the Lord. First and foremost, we're his disciples. We're there to serve, to bless, to give. And God anoints us with all, all the resources of his kingdom. All the authority over the power of the enemy. He gives us all the power of the kingdom. Not just the power to heal, but all the power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I was talking about that last night, I think. It's the total power of God. But what did Jesus do with that power? He served. But he served, as we saw on Tuesday night, out of his relationship with the Father. He had to be one with the Father in order to be the servant that he was. And so it's the same for us. Now, one more thing. I'm happy. Anybody else happy? I'm happy. But you see, this is the point. God is not blessed by begrudging service. It has to be joyful service. Hallelujah. Because we are to rejoice always, so we're to rejoice even when God calls us to serve in a way that we might find challenging, difficult, and often inconvenient. It's amazing how often God tests our love for him by asking us to do things when it's totally inconvenient to our plans. And it's like him saying, okay, which is more important, your plan or my plan for you? So are you going to say no because you prefer yourself? Or are you going to say yes to what I ask of you, even if you have to abandon your plans in the process? It's a test of love. It's a test of really whether Jesus Christ is Lord in our lives or not. 
So if he is our Lord, we, you know, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet you do not do what I say? That's like saying, why do you call me Lord, but you don't serve when I tell you to serve? You don't do what I tell you to do. See, to Jesus, says it makes no sense. And he said, it's not those who say, Lord, Lord, who will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. But many say, oh, Lord, Lord. He said, yes, but are you doing my will? If you're doing my will, then you serve, you bless, you give, you encourage, you build up. Why? Because you love people. And you know that God's purpose in your life is people. It's people. The people that he puts around you, whether it's in your work situation, whether it's in your school's college situation, whether it's in your families, whether it's in wherever. Even in the church. You love people. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You get blessed much more when you have this giving mentality. And you do it joyfully. I've been tired today. You know, in a couple of weeks I shall be 78 and when we have a sort of challenging week like this, I begin to feel that 78. And I, I find, you know, the aging process is, uh, is frustrating because I don't have the same energy as when I was 38. I find that frustrating. But, you know, I, you don't give in to your feelings. You say, no, no, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength and my portion forever, so... He will give me the strength. He will enable me. He'll keep me going this week. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory. Amen. I said that because nobody else said it. Praise the Lord. But this is it, you see. You, you do it joyfully. It's got nothing to do with feeling, oh, I feel tired. And Pastor, oh, you don't realize where to be. Oh, God knows what you've been doing. God knows how you feel. And he can still talk to you when you feel tired or or when you don't feel like doing anything, he says, get up off your backside and go and serve <laughs> over there. And then you'll feel better. Instead of sitting around feeling sorry for yourself, start giving. You know, you've heard, some of you have heard me talk before about Saint Miserables. We don't have any Saint Miserables in this church. But in some churches, there's Saint Miserables, you know. They're the ones that are sitting around all the time waiting for someone to love them, waiting for someone to serve them. You know, oh, you know, they feel sorry for themselves and say, will you pray for me? And if you're an idiot, you will. <laughs> but if you've got any sense, you say, no, 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 it's not, it's not prayer you need. Because, you know, they'll pray, you'll pray for them and say, oh, I feel ever so much better now. And then you go away and the next person will come along and say, oh, <laughs> will you pray for me? This is Saint Miserable. Isn't it good that you're not a Saint Miserable? You see, you're a saint joyful. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you rejoice to do whatever God calls you to do. So I had to rejoice to sweep up the confetti. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, I did. I did. I had to get to the point of rejoicing. Praise God.
Yes, you know, it's part of the challenge in my life, especially when my family was young, was to be away from them so much because I was traveling the world in those days, preaching the gospel. I can remember, you know, it's time I'd, I'd been away a lot and uh, he won't remember it, but the first words that Clive ever spoke was, Papa, Dada. <laughs> and that was just about when I was to get on a plane to go the other side of the world. I tell you, that boom, did something. But I can remember I, I'd been away a lot and, and <clears throat> I'd just flown to South Africa. And I was in South Africa and I was saying, oh, God, you know, I'm missing my wife, I'm missing the children. And the Lord said to me, get on your knees. So in my hotel room, I got on my knees and he said, now you stay on your knees till you're rejoicing to be here and you're pleased that you're not with your wife and you're not with your children. You're where I've called you to be. You stay on your knees till you're really rejoicing from your heart that you're here and not at home. Do you know, I never suffered from homesickness from that day on. Hallelujah. And God had given us, me such promises. You know, you might be away from your children, but they're under my care. And I'll look after them, and I'll cause them to prosper. They've turned out okay, haven't they? <laughs> of course they have. Wonderful. Wonderful what God has done in their lives. I'm, I'm so blessed. Caroline and I are so blessed. So, we serve him joyfully. We're pleased. I, you see, I think for God to ask you to do anything, is a privilege. I mean, what a privilege that the creator of the universe says, I've got something for you to do. And even if it's a little thing, you say, yes, Lord, willingly, joyfully. Here am I, send me. Oh, that's in the Bible somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> Wasn't there some guy called Isaiah? And didn't he have a vision of God? in his holiness and in his glory in the temple. Wonderful, wonderful experience. And didn't he hear a voice coming from the throne? Saying, who can I send? Who can we send? Who will go for us? His hand was first up. Here am I, send me. I'm willing to go. Of course, God didn't tell him all the things that were going to happen to him. And if you read the book of Isaiah, you'll see that God was very wise in not telling him that everything that was going to happen to him. But praise God. What a privilege that God says, you're my son, you're my daughter. Yes, but also what a privilege to say, I've got something for you to do. And of all the people in my kingdom, what I've got for you to do is not for anybody else. It's exclusively for you. I've got my divine purpose for each one. And I've anointed you with my spirit to enable you to do it, not in your strength, but in my power with my love, and to do it joyfully. 
So isn't it wonderful? This is going to be a year of breakout because the life of the kingdom that God has put within us is going to break out through our lives. Why? Because we got servant hearts. And when God says, who will go for us? Up go our hands. Here am I, Lord. Well, three of us had our hands up then, so that's a start. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come into the middle here. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to meet with the Lord again tonight. Are you ready for that? Different way from last night. I won't tell you what he's going to do just yet. I'll, I'll keep it. Because there's something we've got to do first. Come on, let's, let's fill the space in here. It's... Hallelujah. I'm happy. Is anybody else happy? I mean, this is, you see, the, the, this, is, this has been a joyful message. Oh, this has been a joyful message. Why? Because... God has been speaking to you for your good. You see, it's always for your good to fulfill the will and the purpose of God. In serving, you will be blessed. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So God says, yeah, you received last night and you were blessed. So now I want you to be even more blessed. So tonight I teach you about giving and serving. Then you'll be even more blessed than last night. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just close our eyes. Focus on Him. What a Lord. What a God. What a mighty Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Anointed to serve. Come on, just thank the Lord. He's anointed you to serve. Just like Jesus was anointed to serve, so you are anointed to serve. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank him that you're a son of God, you're a child of God, a daughter of God, however you want to express it, but thank him that you're a child who serves. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Now you might have service within the church, that's fine, but you know, when I was pastoring a church, I always said, you can have a service or a ministry, if you like, or a way of serving within the church, so long as you also have a ministry outside the church. 
Everybody that had a ministry in, within the church, within the congregation, also had to have one outside, reaching and touching the world in some way. You couldn't have a ministry in unless you had a ministry out. And of course, everybody, everybody in, in, in the church had both. So they may have had a ministry in, but they also had a ministry, all of them, touching the world in some way. I think that's a good pattern myself, don't you? So come on, let's, let's just hear God. The one who we were worshiping earlier. On his throne. And he's not saying who will come and serve within the church. He's saying who will go for me. Who can I send? Who is going to let that life break out in their lives and, and take it where it's needed into the workplace, into the world, into the neighborhood, into the 25 mile radius? Who will go for me? See, there might come times in the coming weeks and months well, there's going to be some challenges for that. Who will go to this town? Who will go to that town? Who will go and witness there? Who will go and do this? Who will go and do that? Because God wants to spread the blessing and spread the anointing. He might literally say, who will go for me? Who can I send? And he's looking for those willing hearts, those joyful hearts. Hallelujah. So can you say to the Lord tonight, here am I, send me. You see, the thing is that God never gives us a job description and then says, will you do it? He waits until we're willing for anything, then he tells us what the job is. He waits for the right heart attitude because he knows that if we don't have the right heart attitude, we won't do what he asks. So can you say, Lord, thank you for a servant heart. I'm sure many of you have prayed, Lord, I want a heart after your own heart. Well, his heart is a servant heart. Jesus' heart was a servant heart. So can you say, thank you, Lord, that... When you gave me a new heart and put a new spirit within me, when I was born again, you gave me a heart after your heart. You actually gave me a servant heart. And somewhere inside me there is that servant heart. And Lord, I want that servant heart to develop. I want to prove faithful in little things so you can put me in charge of greater things. Can you say that to the Lord? I want to prove faithful in whatever you ask me of me so that you can use me more and more effectively in the future. Now thank you, Lord, that your servanthood came out of your love for people. And thank you that you poured into my heart your love by the Holy Spirit. So thank you that you've given me a love for people. Come on, thank him. I want to hear some people thanking the Lord. Thank him. 
that because you have received the Holy Spirit, God has given you His love, right? He's given you His love for the Father. He's given you His love for the Son. But He's also given you a love for people. Can you thank Him for that? Thank you, Lord, that when you anointed me, you poured your love into my heart and you gave me a love for people. Now I want to serve people. I want to love people. I want to reach people with your love, with your compassion, with your truth, with your kingdom, with your life, with your power, with your healing. In any way possible, Lord, I want to serve those people in the good of the anointing that you poured upon my life. And thank you, Lord, for the anointing that we received last night in order that we may become better servants. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We bless your holy name. We thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know that ancient prayer, to give and not to count the cost. Can you say that to the Lord? Lord, I'm not looking at the cost. I'm just looking at the privilege of you, the creator of the universe, having something for me to do, something that is exclusively your way of asking me to serve. That you ask me to do what you ask nobody else to do, Lord. It's unique to me because of your love for me, because I'm your child, because I'm in relationship with you. You've got those things exclusively that you ask of me that will serve you, that will bless you, that will bless your people, that will further your kingdom purposes. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I don't want any of those things that you ask of me to be left undone. And I, Lord, I thank you that you say today is the day of salvation. If you hear the voice of the Lord today, don't put it off like you did in the days of rebellion. It's rebellion to say, not today, tomorrow, Lord. No, 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 today. When I ask you to do something today, you do it today. If I wanted you to do tomorrow, I would have waited till tomorrow to tell you to do it. Is this too deep for you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Can you pray then for instant obedience? There isn't any other kind of obedience, actually. But can you say, Lord, I want instant obedience. I want to be so sensitive to your voice that when you tell me to do something, I do it. I don't argue about it. I don't prevaricate. I don't try to get out of it. I don't delay it. I don't say, well, tomorrow will do. When you have something for me to do and you tell me to do it, I will do it. And thank you, Lord, that you give me the grace Thank you that you've given me the anointing, the empowering. You've equipped me to do whatever you ask me to do. Can you thank the Lord for that? Hallelujah. And can you thank the Lord for the spirit of joy? Yes, 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 yes. 
that you will serve him joyfully, that you'll serve others joyfully. Not begrudgingly, not, oh, what now, what next? No, with joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Praise God. He will sustain you. He will enable you. He will equip you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. Are you giving of yourself? Are you giving of yourself? Come on. Just, just let the Lord know. You have placed your life in His hands. Not just to be blessed, but to be used. You want Him to use you. Can you, can you dare to pray that? Use me, Lord, in the best possible way that is possible for you to use me. And continue to work in my heart and life so I become more and more usable. Can you pray that? Can you ask the Lord to do that? Will you? Come on, this is what he's wanting you to pray. Not just in words, he wants you to mean it. It's got to come from the heart, hasn't it? From that servant heart, oh Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I, I believe God is saying there's so much more I can do through you than you realize. Uh, there's, you, you know, it's not just fresh anointing, but there's a fresh release of the anointing. That's what he's doing tonight. He's releasing that anointing, not just giving the anointing. He's releasing that anointing in your life so that now you're going to bear much fruit for the glory of his name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 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 Now, God's got a treat for you tonight. I've been saving this up, you see. He's got a treat for you tonight. Isn't that good? Anybody like treats? Especially treats from God. Okay, what I want you to do is to get into little groups of three, three people in a group. Anybody around you, it doesn't matter who. A three, not, not two or five, but three. Just move around and make up threes. Now, I don't know how you've responded in your heart in these last few minutes to what God has been saying. But I do know this, that if you have responded in the way that God has wanted, you are about to be blessed beyond anything that you could have imagined before you came here tonight. Because, you see, the Lord will never let you outdo him in giving. 
However you give to him, he will always give much more back to you. The good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. So what he is going to do tonight is to heal many people. Now you see, we haven't been talking about healing, but except I mentioned, you know when you need to receive from the Lord, give. Now we haven't done the outworking of the giving yet, but God knows our hearts, and he knows whether what we have said to him is actually going to be outworked in our lives or not. Because he can see the end from the beginning, can't he? But you are going to impart. Now that means you're not going to pray for the other people in your group. You're going to impart to them. You're not going to have words from God for them or anything like that. Last night was a time of impartation. Now you are going to become an imparter. Now, when you impart, you don't use many words. Jesus, all the way through his ministry, imparted. Get up and walk. Be opened. Go. These are the kinds of things he said when the power of God was imparted. And we saw last night, and I taught you last night, that the laying on of hands is a point of contact. It helps people in their faith to believe when the hands are laid upon them, God is imparting to them. Right, now just hold up your hands like this for a moment. And just say this after me. The Word of God says that when these hands are laid upon the sick, they will recover. Because these hands are the hands of a believer. And the word of God says, when believers lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Hallelujah. Amen. So, what you're going to do now is you're going to go around your, your threesome and two of you will lay hands on the third person and we'll make sure that all three of you get prayed for. But all you're going to do is lay your hand on their head and just say, receive now in the name of Jesus. That's all. Nothing else. Right? And just keep your hand there for as long as I say, which will be about half a minute, perhaps a little bit longer, one minute. And when you're receiving the laying on of hands, just believe, right, this is my point of contact now. God is using the hands of my brothers, my sisters, The healing isn't in their hands. The healing is coming from the throne of God in heaven. It's coming by the power of the Holy Spirit into my life. 
You don't even have to say what it is you want to be healed of, or if it's not a healing, it might be the meeting of another need, but you believe that at that moment, in the name of Jesus, you're receiving. So, you know, there are other ways of praying for people, but when we impart, we don't use a lot of words. Now, when you lay hands on the person, it's important that you believe what you've just said. You don't have to have a healing ministry. You just have to be a believer, according to the Scriptures. So just believe that at that moment, the power of God... You see, I mean, I can actually feel the power of God in my hand, you know, even as I'm speaking. Because th this is what... I mean, you might feel that, you might feel nothing. It's not it's got nothing to do with feelings, but I can actually feel the anointing now. Because the anointing is going to be poured out all over this room. And many, pe many, many people are going to get healed... Many great things are going to happen, right? Because God, you see, we learn how to do it here so we can then go out in the world and do it. Hallelujah. So, first of all, just decide who, who, is, who you're going to pray for first of all. And then the two of you lay hands on the third one. Hey, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's, let's do this decently. Let's do this decently and in order. Now listen to me. When you impart, you do not lay hands on somebody's back or shoulder. You lay hands on their head. Right? Everything happens from the head downwards. Through the whole body. This is not a nice pally way of saying, Oh brother, I just want to pray for you. No, this is imparting in the name of Jesus. Right? You can wash your hands and get the spirit of dandruff off afterwards. <laughs> but... <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Why did I make you laugh? Because it's so much easier to, re to receive when we're in a joyful mode. You don't have to stand there and say, Oh, is anything happening to me? <laughs> We're not looking for feelings, we're believing. Hands are being laid on you, so you are receiving what you need. Right, okay, for the first person then, just lay hands on them. In the name of Jesus, receive now. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that you're pouring out upon this meeting at this time, that you're using each one of these, your children, as instruments of your healing grace into the lives of their brothers and sisters. We praise you, Lord. Now just give thanks, all three of you, just give thanks. Thank him for what he's done. Just take your hand away now and just thank him. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now do this for the second person in the group. Just put your hands on their head. 
In the name of Jesus, receive now. Believe that you're imparting in his name. Believe that you're receiving in his name. Don't look for feelings or experience, just believe. Thank you, Lord. You are imparting to me now. Okay, now just give thanks. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now the third person in the group. Just say it in the name of Jesus, receive now. His life, his power, his healing, just flowing into people's lives, into their bodies right now. Believe you're imparting. Believe you're receiving. And now give thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, how many of you believe that you've received something from the Lord? Oh, well, 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 well. Come on, let's give him glory. Let's give him glory. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in, in your group... Just say to the other two people, I thank God that I'm an imparter of his life. You see, you're not just a receiver, you're an imparter. You're not just a receiver, you're a giver. Hallelujah.
Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Now, you're going to be good servants? You know what, what's going to happen on the day of judgment? You, you've read what Jesus says. Well done, good and faithful. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Okay, now, as a good servant, on Sunday, you're going to turn up at church on time. No, 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 I withdraw that. You're going to turn up early. You're going to turn up early because, because when you arrive late, you can't write out an orange card. And what you're going to write on your orange card because you turn up early enough to do it, and there's going to be a stack of orange cards on, on Sunday, you're going to write down what you have received from God. Not just now, but you can now, but what you've received from him last night, what you've received during these days, you're going to give him thanks. And because, you see, you're part of the body, the whole of the body wants to give thanks with you. Is that all right? You don't have to be too personal if, if you know, if, if, if it's something of a very personal nature, but write out a card. Give thanks. Yes, yes, yes. Be here early enough to do it. Mm -hmm. Could the Lord be telling you to do that? Or is it just Pastor Collins saying it? Or is Pastor Collins still speaking in the name of the Lord? <laughs> let, me just, let me just ask you this. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit would ever lead you to be late? I rest my case. Come on, let's just finish with a great burst of thanksgiving to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Papara Zandaria Lerobakalasitri Sandaria Lerobakalasitri Sandaria. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Is anybody jumping for joy? We can jump for joy. We can dance. We can praise God. Hallelujah. 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 It's joyful to serve the Lord. Amen and amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com.